ladies and gentlemen welcome back to another special episode another heavy-hearted episode as it took me a while to even um start this episode actually so bear with me if i seem a little spacey at times but i promise i'm gonna get through this um yeah thank you for joining me tonight today whenever you're watching this viewing this we lost another legend in black music this time it is in the hip-hop genre this one is a very very near and dear loss to me personally and i'll get into that in a bit but just want to kind of get down with the what happened, the basics, I guess. So, on the last day of 2020, December 31st, um, we all know how, how hard 2020 has been on everyone. Uh, I, I wrote on Instagram uh, this really long, um, drawn-out thing about this whole thing. But um, yesterday, December 31st, we were given news that the legend, the legendary MC, pioneer MC, for a lot of reasons, most of which I choo- I hope to get into today. We lost MF Doom. Now, he passed back in October of 2020. Um, I think that family wished to keep things close, and I, I completely respect that. I know that there are a lot in... Uh, in the community, in the music community that are talking about that decision, but I don't get into family, things like that. I respect that decision to keep it close uh, for the peace and sanity of the family, of course. Um, As we all know, Doom is prolific, well-known, the only underground MC who didn't cross over, but everyone knows him. Uh, it is it is said that he is your favorite rapper's favorite rapper. Um, a lot of favorite a lot of rappers say that line, but he was your favorite rapper's favorite rapper for sure. Um, today I'm just going to talk about. I'm not going to get into any news. I mean, except for this, of course. Um, but I'm not going to get into any vinyl news or. Uh, vinyl recommendations anything like that it's just kind of gonna kind of be the same as that uh that stanley cowell show which just honestly it just seems way too soon way too soon to be doing another one of these shows um my my musical journey would not have gotten to this point in jazz and elements of psych psychedelic rock and and psychedelic soul psychedelic jazz etc if it weren't for the man we're talking about tonight so tonight i want to talk a little bit about the legacy of this man what he means to me personally and what he means to the black music world I'll start off really simple. Doom made me feel normal, yo. As a teenager, growing up in bumfuck nowhere, Virginia, and being exposed to a lot of different genres early on, and having, of course, a natural-seeded love for hip-hop, but just kind of feeling a disconnect with it early on in my teenage years I felt weird I felt I felt abnormal I felt like I didn't belong I felt like I was trying to be something I wasn't and and this is sad because when of course when teens feel like this when kids feel like this they lash out in all types of ways right um I can recall uh me thinking that you know I was an Oreo I used to run around saying that all the time as a early teen kid like thinking that there was some type of uh Almost like there was some type of value in being um, white on the inside, quote unquote. I felt this way because 
When I looked at hip-hop music, the music that my peers were listening to at the time, I couldn't fully relate. I don't know what it was. I still don't know what it was. I mean, I know what it was, but people don't quite understand when you're born different, when you're just different. Um, not trying to be different, not, uh, you know, not doing the most to be different but when you just kind of are when you just are you just like what you like you know um the only thing i can think about is like i guess homosexuality i guess would be a good comparison right like just being just being different and not really understanding like why you're different really well doom made me feel normal now of course like i said I was into everything, so Conscious Hip Hop, I was already into. Shout outs to Common, shout outs to Most Def, Yasin Bey, um, shout outs to Kanye West, even uh, early Kanye West, of course, right? Um, I was into hip hop music that I related to, that either had a message or had some other type of thought provoking antic behind it. Um, I wasn't into a lot of the showmany, braggadocious, hypersexual, hyper masculine, hyper machismo type of hip hop that all of my friends, of course, because, you know, all, all of, you know, the people around me, the black people around me were into just because that's what we do. Right. As kids, you just you just go along with whatever is put in front of you. Anyway, a weird friend, church friend of mine. Uh, put me on to, uh, and I think I've spoken about this before, put me on to the show The Boondocks. And again, hearing the show's score changed my life. And this is as a kid digging around, not even realizing what I was watching or what I was listening to um, in a conscious way, right? So, uh, of course, I understood The Boondocks as a comedy. I thought it was hilarious. Um, but I didn't realize uh, the, the satire behind it, right? I didn't pick up all the nuances of the show. Same can be said for the music. I picked up Doom at this time, but I didn't fully understand what Doom was. I just knew that it was just something totally different from what I'd ever heard in my life. The album, of course, Mad Villainy. We'll talk about that in a bit. Mad Villainy, I'll, I'll rank some of my favorite doom records and uh close out here i don't want to keep anyone too long um again thank you for for clicking play here today for this very special episode uh highlighting the life and legacy of doom now i'm not going to do so in uh in a traditional way i'm not going to you know list out you know where he was born and you know and his first record and you know, uh, uh, when he, you know, <laughs> when he moved and when he got sick and all that stuff. I'm not, I'm not going to do that. Unfortunately, I am going to keep it record based and just, just talk about the first time I picked up that Mad Villainy record. Um, the first time I picked up a few of his other records, uh, Operation Doomsday. Uh, when I lived in Atlanta, this is one of my first grabs, um, Operation Doomsday. So, um, yeah, but I want to get kind of go back into just how how Doom made me feel normal just before I, I head into the works. Yeah, Doom made me realize that I wasn't crazy. And at the same time, he made me realize that it was okay that I wasn't normal. And I'll explain. It was okay that I thought my that his peers other rappers lack substance and creativity which a lot of them in the 90s and 2000s did if you look back through the music archives and music videos you'll see the same template is used throughout almost every rap video and you can say the same kind of for today i mean it's a little bit different today because everything's kind of broken down and boxed up and it's in its neat little category so you can kind of go around and find a lot more of uh of the of the things you're wanting or looking for um and, and you're kind of trapped in that box until you hop out the the next box but back before the internet was cool right i mean this was just put on tv so this is what everyone had to watch and you saw the i think the same template the same backdrop for almost every rap video the girls in the in the apple bottom jeans <laughs> with the with the very flat asses compared to what we deal with now right um 
the guys with the chains around the neck, the backwards football and basketball and, and baseball and all the other jerseys. Um, you saw this stuff, and this stuff was, it, like I said, it was just templated. It was, it, this is what hip-hop was in the 90s and 2000s. There were a few outliers, Doom being one of them, and, and finding Doom, it made me realize that it was okay not to like that. It was okay to think that that was a little weird, um, the templated hip-hop that uh, we had become so used to. Doom also made me realize that I wasn't, you know, I wasn't tripping because or I wasn't crazy because I didn't like the catchiness of mainstream hip hop hooks and choruses. Uh, this is something that Doom is kind of noted for now in music is kind of getting rid of the hook, the useless hook, the useless chorus of a song in hip hop uh, that's all too often overdone. It's overcooked, it's overhyped, and it's overused in almost all hip hop music. And still to this very day, I don't know when the hook will die, but or when they when the chorus will die, but I am one of those people who are rooting for its death. I have a hard time listening to any rap that has hooks and choruses to it. It has to be a really dope ass song for and and you know who I'm about to say, Kendrick Lamar, he may be the only exception to that rule when it comes to hooks and choruses. A lot of other rappers, again, I have a hard time if they do use hooks and choruses in the sense that that's their crutch. Like that's their like they use that as like almost like a verse. I can't fuck with that. And so Doom made me realize that I wasn't crazy for thinking that either. Like here's a whole genre that's that's following this again template. This is the template that's set out for hip hop and everyone is doing it. And for me, just thinking that like for a long time as a teen thinking that i was crazy for not liking this thinking that i was like trying to be white for not liking this stuff it was a really hard process to get through it was a really tough time for me to get through as a as a teen um luckily i had a lot of like-minded um black and white teens around me the that um and when i say a lot i mean like maybe two or three other ones who we we'd sit around and talk about doom all the time but you know, um, or any whoever our favorite artists of the day were all the time, um, and if it wasn't for that, along with Doom, I don't I don't know how how different my my school age experience would have been, um, especially that that high school age where you're just super vulnerable to everything, um, but you're you're always feeling like you have to put up wall after wall after wall um, to show how tough you are, especially as a man. The vulnerability piece that I just touched on is the last piece that Doom made me feel really normal about. Here is a here's a here's a man first, not even a rapper, a man first, who is completely comfortable in his head, completely comfortable with being alone with his thoughts, with being alone, being vulnerable with his self and with his audience. This is something you don't see in hip hop music. This is something you very rarely see in music altogether. Uh, but when you do see it, it's a little it's a little quirky and it's a little out there. It's, uh, it's I would like to say it's a little uh, space aged um, music sometimes that, you know, we we oftentimes give uh, credit to like white gay men for personifying this this vulnerability in music i'm thinking about like cats like david bowie and shit right like we give like cats like that like this license to be like vulnerable and 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 weak in public and at the same time that that weakness makes them strong i think doom does this for hip-hop and i caught that at a very early age and it changed my life it changed my perception of what it means to be a man of what it means to be a human of what it means to be black and be a black man in this country it changes my entire perspective of this and how you know i always joke about how doom ruined rap for me but you know this doom kind of ruins uh, human humanhood or or manhood for me if you will too at the same time because here I am able to see firsthand, and this is coming from um, a, a young boy who, who grew up with a lot of male role models, um, uncles and, and, uh, and, and even just like, you know, mother's friends, you know, aka quote unquote friends, you know, stuff like that. This is through all of these 
role models that I'm seeing, male role models, all blue collar, all tough guys, right? I learned how to work on a farm when I was a kid, all that good stuff. It was so weird once I realized that men could be weak and could be able to be weak and be comfortable in understanding that weakness, whatever that weakness was. Artists aren't, artists don't do that. Artists aren't vulnerable with us a lot of times. And I, I think through Doom's music, uh, you know, you can think of so many lines, so many verses, so many songs that I can think of um, where he's showing you sides of himself inadvertently sometimes and sometimes directly. Um, but he's showing you sides of himself that if he were to follow the template, he wouldn't show you that he wouldn't show you. Uh, this part of him because this part of him um, could get him laughed at or this part of him could make him appear like a crazy person or a weak person or or a less than person and he's saying fuck you to all of that essentially in a lot of his records and a lot of his songs lastly for doom and making me feel um normal you know he made me feel cool to be a dork this is college, of course. So, you know, I go through my really difficult phase of high school feeling, you know, kind of lost with music and entertainment and art and feeling as if I was kind of misplaced, maybe placed in the wrong state, maybe placed in the wrong country, maybe placed in the wrong fucking planet. I felt that way as a, as a teen. This is me being vulnerable with you now. <laughs> you know, um, I remember the the change though the change in that that there was some type of strength that came once you located once I located this this understanding this deep seated uh, uh, evasiveness of vulnerability and I accepted that I had to be some type of vulnerable I had to be some type of uh, some type of different in order to be true to myself. And being true to myself and, it, and my weaknesses and my strengths don't make me less of a man. In fact, it makes me a better man. When I realize this, when I come into this understanding, I think it's kind of like the golden years for Noel, right? And so when I say that, I mean like college was great. <laughs> college was very great. I didn't feel like a black sheep that much anymore. And and I felt cool. I felt cool in, in being a music dork and being a, a dork that uh, that valued uh, artistry in the way that I did, uh, being a square, right? Um, just being a fan of music for music's sake also, like, and, and not wanting to fit into the in crowd and, and oh, like, yeah, I'm into music and saying, you know, all of the, you know, the, the cool cats that you're into um, just to say that, you know, just to seem cool, right? No, like, I was a fan of music and I was into all types of weird stuff and I wore it as a badge of honor, um, that that weirdness, that dorkiness, right? And so in college, I got accustomed to saying things like, oh, I'm a cool weird, or I'm a good weird, right? Like, because I realized that weird is, there's no connotation with weird. It It's weird. Weird can mean a good weird or it can mean a bad weird. And when I realized I was a good weird, I ran with that. And it got me... Lots of brownie points with the ladies, I'll just tell you that. Um, <laughs> but I, that's not what I was looking for. Again, it's it's the same as in high school, right? So in high school, you know, being lost and, and trying to find that, that vote or try to locate that, that sense of uh, belonging with, with being so vulnerable all the time or being true to yourself, um, that just that just leaves you feeling more and more lost. You don't understand why people don't accept you. You don't understand why certain people don't like you. you. Don't understand all this stuff. But then when you get you got to a certain age where you don't even fucking care. You don't now you just don't care about it. So like the people who fuck with you fuck with you, and the people who don't don't. And and that's again, Doom helped me with this through his music, through embracing his challenges, embracing his weaknesses, embracing his craziness that he's gone through, that he's been open about. He helped me see that, like, yeah, man, it's okay to be this weird. It's okay to be this type of person, like, because guess what? Like, the people who like that, like, they'll like you. And the people who don't, don't worry about them. They don't, they don't matter. 
I saw I'm a part of a few a uh, few Doom groups on Facebook. Of course, like you know, fan groups, fan forums, stuff like that. Speaking of forums, right? Speaking of forums, check out TheRecordSpinner.com and the forum. Um, sign up for the forum using a Facebook or a Google account. And we want to get this thing going. I want to start getting people in and start getting people into um, into finding some good music, man. Like maybe a sample, like a sample group, like finding Mad Lib samples. Like there's all types of cool things we can do with this forum. Uh, I want to get that started, though. So please do if you uh, feel interested, if you feel if you feel good to or feel or want to have interest to um, go to the website, therecordspinner.com and sign up for the forum. But Doom's legacy. So uh, one of I saw a few comments in, in the Doom chats that I'm in and it was a really good question that was posed. And the answers were beautiful, and I liked a lot of them. Um, but Doom represents to me his legacy, what he will leave for generations to come. Anti-establishment, anti-material, anti-capitalistic, but being vulnerable, pro-vulnerability. Um, and, and I'll explain um, his approach to creating art. Um, he, did, he didn't care. He didn't, put out, he didn't have to care to put out a project every year. He didn't need to. People didn't want that from him. Uh, his fans realized and understood the fact that his creative process was just that, his creative process. I think we've gotten so accustomed to uh, the world of entertainment uh, kind of intruding on art that we get so used to our artist being forced to put out product every year that over consumerism, right? That like it's just overt, like over the top consumerism. It, it, it impedes into it, it impedes art it ruins art because now people are mad because Kendrick Lamar hasn't put out an album in three years like let him take three years let him take five let him take ten if he doesn't put out a, a, an album in, uh, until 2030 be happy that you got an album in 2030 <laughs> I mean that should that should just be what it is it shouldn't be you're on the, you're on our time no we're, we're on the artist time we're all we're all waiting for the canvas to be you know beautified uh, so just take your time with it all the artists that's my only advice to artists is just take your time with it i think doom personified that as well um anti-material and anti-establishment um i mean up until recently doom didn't even have mer a lot of merch and gear outside of his records this is something that we think about as so foreign today right like if you're an artist, one of the first things you're taught, and this is something that, like, I'm not, I don't consider myself an artist uh, having a podcast, but, you know, this is something that, you know, uh, marketing people are constantly talking to me about. It's just, oh, like, now that you have something that is established, now you gotta get clothes. Now you gotta get shirts and swag. Like, bro, you don't need all that stuff. Like, I have, I have 20 listeners. Like, I'm, I'm barely established. I barely want to uh, put any type of investment, yet alone a monetary investment like that, um, into this thing yet, you know, that isn't really proven. But that that's the world we live in, right? Where we're always trying to make money. We're always trying to make a buck. And I get it. Like, we have to. That's the way of the world. Um, but people who say things a little bit different, I think they help us realize that um, that is genuine to just be like, just to love and live in your art, love and live in your whatever, your passion. Um, and I think Doom did that. He genuinely loved and lived his music. Um, and I think his music helped him in a lot of ways. It was therapeutic. And um, I think in a lot of ways, it he knew that it helped other people like myself, uh, like thousands of others in those, uh, those forums that I mentioned earlier. As commonplace with now ancestors, I do want to list some of my favorite works after speaking about the man so highly and, and how he's personally affected me. Um, I want to talk a little bit about his projects, some of the the detail behind the projects and how they're heralded um, and, and what they mean, of course, to me and to most Doom fans or Doom heads, as they call them. 
So let's start first by mentioning all of his aliases. Doom, again, I've said this before. Uh, I think I said it anyway. Um, but Doom was not shy about his battles with mental health. He had a brother who he was very close to that passed away at a very early age, um, struck by a car. I talked about this when I was talking about the records Black Bastard and his group KMD. Um, he, dealt, he dealt with some major issues for a while. Uh, let Doom tell it from a few of his interviews. He was sleeping on benches and in parks and wandering around drunk aimlessly most of uh, the time um, during this time. And he was really lost. He was, he was really in a bad space. Um, it turned out well for us as recipients of the art. But again, um, the fact that he was able to be so upfront and honest about this dark time in his life, I think it only goes to show, again, that vulnerability that he has with his fans and with those who he he doesn't care about reaching the masses. He cares about reaching those who want to be reached. So, yeah, before I start um, with with his aliases, I do want to pose a question here. Um, what are some of your favorite projects by doom i want to know if this list i'm about to say is going to get me in a lot of trouble or if i'm kind of on base here which i think i am i uh, being a student of doom a uh, doom of doom being a student of doom as i am for the last 15 plus years almost yeah i would say yeah damn like that's crazy i found him around 16 17 something like that i'm 32 now um yeah man like i i'm i'm certain that i'm on base here but maybe i am maybe i'm not maybe i'm off maybe i'm off by a lot so some of doom's works to mention i'm going to start again with his aliases he went by a few aliases uh victor vaughn was one uh victor was apparently i can't recall if victor was the good guy according to doom doom did an interview with red bull where he kind of broke down all of his aliases i suggest you go check it out if you want to learn a little bit more about the, the character that is doom that is mf doom um, he broke down all of the characters and, and how they fit in his head. And um, it's a very interesting breakdown, honestly. I, I got to go back and watch it again because I can't remember who Victor Vaughn was. I think Victor was just like a regular dude. Um, I know King Ghidra was uh, was a villain, of course. I know Doom was a villain as well. And I think, um, yeah, and I think Victor was just like a regular dude or something like that. Um, if I'm wrong, please correct me, guys. So, like, don't like feel free to just like chime in and be like hey yeah like nah that that that's not who he was um you can email me of course at the record spinner podcast at gmail.com uh follow me on instagram that is at rebirth of the cool um that is instagram and twitter and of course the forum the forum the forum the forum that's at the record spinner.com um, that's the last time I'm going to plug that, but I felt like it was a good place too. Um, yeah, so let's hop right in. Best albums. Oh man. Okay. 2004 was Doom's best year musically, in my opinion. I don't think that's a, I don't think that's a wild thing to say. You have a, you have his critically acclaimed, acclaimed Mad Villainy with Mad Lib, um, on Stone's Throw, of course. Um, you have... Mm, food, which is I always hate saying because it's just mm, it's mm food. Uh, you have mm food also in 2004. The the production on this record is kind of all over the place. I think he ha has Madlib produce a few tracks, but I know that there are some other producers producers on this record as well. So these two are tied. I have them both on vinyl. I have them both. Uh, I have most of these projects on vinyl, by the way. Uh, I just need to get a few more uh, now before they jack the prices up, of course, like they always do when when artists pass away, which I fucking hate. I've talked about that uh, ad nauseum as well, um, but they always do that silly shit in the vinyl community where now the, the artist is gone. Now, I mean, and, and listen, this is the caveat here. If what the inheritance is going to the family if this record money is going to the family, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. This is this is what it this is what we need to what needs to happen. His inherent this needs to go to his inheritance. This needs to go to his family, his offspring, his relatives. Um, but if this is going to a record label, 
uh, that one he he wasn't even signed to. You know, he, they just own the rights to a whole bunch of shit. Like I hate shit like that. I hate it, and I don't like supporting it. So, um, so I really, really hope uh, that I don't get caught in that web buying the last few Doom uh, records that I gotta buy. So, um, number three, I, I have as a it's kind of an honorable mention. Number three, it's not. I mean, it is one of my favorites, but it's not like I, I don't think it it'll be heralded as like uh, like this won't be like oh like yeah you should have definitely put this on here uh, because it's just a beat tape. So it's like special herbs, all of them uh, zero, all volume zero through nine. Of course, um, I love all of the beat tapes, and um, they're really really dope. To me, I know a lot of people are kind of weird about Doom's uh, beat making skills um a lot of people it's it's a love or hate with doom not kind of the same as his lyrical prowess where there's a lot of nuance in his lyrical ability some people like the references he makes some people like his his technical ability some people like his flow some people like all of the above etc etc so it's a lot more room for for error with his lyricals his his lyrical stuff uh but his beat making is uh is either hit or miss with a lot of people and so that is number three, Special Herbs, all of the all of the beat tapes. Uh, I, I'm a big fan. Number four has to be uh, Vaudeville Villain. Uh, this one actually gets a lot of flack. Um, and this is done in 2003, the, the year before his best year in music, in my opinion. Uh, 2003 is his second best year in my opinion there's uh there's two there's another track there's another record on here from 2003 um not only vaudeville villain but 2003 was a really amazing year for doom as well too uh this was released on traffic entertainment and vaudeville villain is again by his alias victor vaughn who uh who stars this whole uh project mostly um, I think there's some appearances by Doom, I think, in this, which is kind of weird to say, right, because they're the same person, but, uh, but, you know, that's Doom, and that's what I love about the guys, he, he makes, he makes that stuff feel, I mean, it's a creative way he does it, it's not some, it, it just doesn't appear to be, like, some, like, crazy breakdown he's having, it's an art form, it's a technique he's using, almost, um, sort of like the way I use my alias, that's how I like to think about it. Um, it's the same person. I'm not different. I'm the same person, but it's just, you know, legal purposes. <laughs> Can't be the same person on this place where I am at work. You know, I'll get fired for talking about black stuff. Anyway, uh, Vaudeville Villain is classic. If you uh, haven't heard uh, that record, um, my favorite record off of that is probably Salava or um, the intro track, which I can't think of right now, actually. Uh, where he references, um, oh, shit, uh, I can't recall who he references, but yeah, it's the intro track, um, and and then it's uh, Saliva, of course, uh, love those two tracks, uh, the beat on Saliva is nuts, um, Operation Doomsday is number five, Operation Doomsday, a record that I own, Special Herbs and Vaudeville, I don't own actually on vinyl, I think I own Vaudeville on CD somewhere around here. I think it's on a CD somewhere. Um, but yeah, Operation Doomsday is one of the most slept on, in my opinion. This is one of his most slept on projects. This is 1999. Um, this is kind of one of his first bounce back records, if you will, right? Um, I, I talked briefly about uh, in, in previous episodes about you know his, his break away from music um, and he comes back and he comes back as uh this this villain this super villain uh, known as mf doom and um i think this is one of the one of the first projects under that under that alias of of doom uh number uh favorite oh yeah favorite song on um on operation doomsday obviously it has to be like doomsday um and there uh i do like uh tick tick actually that's a it's a dark song but i love that song um it's a really great lyrical song featuring MF Grimm, uh, who is also, um, they have a long history together. Let's just say that. Um, I'll leave it there. Um, I think Grimm is still around with us. I'm not sure about that, though. Um, number six. Number six is Black Bastard. So we're going to the Zev Love X years, the, K, the KMD years, 1993. 
Um, I've talked about Black Bastards before. Um, just a really awesome piece of work that is um, that you can kind of see pieces of the future Doom in, which is kind of strange to look at, in my opinion, uh, because Zev Love is such a different character from from uh, MF Doom, in my opinion. Again, um, so like seeing seeing those elements in him at that point, um, it's it's really cool. It's just cool to me. Um, I don't have any favorite favorite tracks the, uh, the interludes honestly are probably my faves on on black bastards if if i had to choose uh, I, I, they're all like hilarious to me um number seven born like this this is this is this part of the list is actually really really con hotly contested i know that a lot in the community in the mf doom community who i hope to share this with honestly uh, i know that they're gonna have a lot of opinions about this uh this list here and and i hope that i get lots of emails and comments for it too so uh, wink wink right <laughs> create controversy um born like this is is not a favorite for a lot of people um i think it kind of goes there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, kind of like kiss or sort of like um anything of any white white band like the beatles led zeppelin like they're broken down into eras right like they have a they have eras i think doom, doom should be broken down in in eras the very same way so you have the K, kmd years the Zev Love X stuff, and then of course you have the break. You have the break, right? You have the break. You have the long break that lasts all the way up until like the, the late nineties, and then you have the first iteration of Doom. The first iteration of Doom is Operation Doomsday. This is the raw Doom. This is stuff. This is for the super fans, in my opinion, right? Operation Doomsday isn't heralded by anybody, uh, but people who really, really, really like Doom's lyrics because the beats are a little bit raw in this. Um, yeah, I think he does all the most of the production, if not all of it. Um, and so, yeah, the beats are a lot raw. They're a lot... Um, there's a lot of uh, superhero interludes and superhero um, references. Of course, that isn't everyone's taste. Uh, I'm I'm not a fan of Doom for the superhero stuff, but I do know that there are people who are fans of Doom because of his superhero references or his or his uh, Marvel references, right? So I totally get that. That's fine. Um, but it isn't until and it, it isn't until the the, the mid two thousands. Uh, 2004 which i don't know if that's mid or early i guess that's early um early 2000s where i think doom that second era of doom hits and that second era of doom is the doom that everyone knows and and thinks about when they think of doom this is mad villainy this is food this is uh this is um take me to your leader uh this is unex this is the compilation um th this is this is doom this is the doom we all love and, and care for um and so like this i guess if you put this in terms of like eras for the beatles right this is their this is their pop years right this is doom's pop years even though technically i don't know if he crossed over or not ever i know that mad villainy was like i said that was critically acclaimed it was i don't know if it should have been Gram nominated for a grammy i don't know if it was but like i feel like it was like the biggest thing that year um especially looking back in hindsight i think yeah 2004 like that was the shit of 2004 so um so yeah i'm not certain about that though born like this is 2009 though and this is this is the the part of doom that i think people I don't want to say people want to forget about, but especially white fans, and, and this might ruffle some feathers here. I think white fans especially don't particularly like this version or iteration of Doom. This iteration of Doom is get, he gets into a little bit more of conspiratorial thoughts. He gets into a little bit more of like super pro black stuff. Bobby Hemet, he he references Bobby Hemet and, and samples Bobby Hemet on some of the later projects, like in uh, like in Keys to the Cuffs, which is on my list here. Um, is actually the next one is actually number eight. But Born Like This is in the same vein, and there's a lot of um, there's a lot of references to, of course, the race war, the impending race war that we're gonna have, uh, which Doom is kind of prophetic with, honestly. Um, now seeing where we are, um, but uh, but yeah, I, Born Like This is a classic. It's 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 dark, but it is super. Um, thoughtful it's super doom like it's still the lyrics are there the beats are there the productions there um there are some amazing moments in 
born like this um and and then there are some not so amazing moments in this too um where you know i don't have a beard and you know he he drops a line in in one of those songs where you know he says a man with no beard is more weirder than a shemale and i'm like yo like hold on i don't have i don't have a i don't have a beard i'm not weird but i am weird though so whatever um and, and i'll take it <laughs> so so yeah so with uh with seven with going out of seven born like this i will stand by that this is a top 10 album of dooms um i didn't add a lot of collabs but number eight is a collab record that he has well number number one is a collab too but that's a different type of collab uh number eight is keys to the cuffs again i talked about this with born like this but this is in the same vein if not a little bit more darker a little bit deeper into the conspiracy into the rabbit hole that doom goes down here in keys to the cuffs um some fans may say that doom has always been kind of conspiratorial and and into like conspiracy theories and such like that and you can see elements of that of course in all of his records not from from 1999 operation doomsday from uh villainy from mad villainy into food into all of these records you do see elements of him talking about these uh, these very strange things that he believes in from time to time uh but these two projects number seven and number eight there is no doubt that this is stuff that he believes in and it's almost uh it's almost in a in a sense almost being preached to the listener that this is not only stuff that he believes in but stuff that is actually happening and stuff that will happen stuff that will take place so in my opinion, these two records, Born Like This and Keys to the Cuffs, are probably his most preachy records, in my opinion. Um, and I, I'm still a huge fan of both works. They're on this top 10 list. Again, I think I may get some pushback or some flack from white fans for having these two on the list. Um, but again, like I'm willing to I'm willing to deal with that. Um, so white people tell me, like, it, are these two are these two records on your top 10 doom list and if they're not why if they are why so yeah i want to know um best or favorite record on keys to the cuffs um favorite record has to be governor governor hello governor that's one of my favorite that's actually that song's one of my favorite doom singles of all time so and that'll be another show where i do that i, I can't do that right now I, that'll be taking all that'll take literally all night to think about all of Doom's songs from all these albums, and then putting them in a top twenty, because I would have to, I would have to spread it out to twenty at least. Um, number nine, "Take Me to Your Leader." This is a slept-on project. This is under his alias King Ghidra. I do want to go back really quick. Number eight was uh, a, con a collaboration record. Uh, the collaboration was with a, a man by the name of JJ Doom. I cannot say his name though. God damn, that is a crazy name. Uh, this guy is from like England or something like that. And uh, this record was put out by Lex. So uh, JJ, I think is, I want to say General, General, I'm not going to say that. Yeah. For the, sanctity, for the sanctity of the show, I'm not going to try and say your name. Sorry, homeboy. Uh, but you can email me and uh, <laughs> give me a proper... <laughs> Give me a proper pronunciation breakdown. Um, and that's at the record spinner podcast at gmail.com. Um, back to number nine. Take me to your leader. King Ghidra. That's 2003. This is again. This is that golden era that I'm talking about with Doom. Uh, 2003 to 2004, 2005. Doom sees what is arguably, arguably his best years in music. Um, just the best stuff I think he puts out overall uh, as far as projects in these two years. Take Me to Your Leader is right up there. A lot of people don't like this record because it's pretty much the whole guts of the album is uh, is just interludes. It's a whole bunch of interludes that, that make up the album, um, which I think is kind of comical, honestly. The same can be said about food actually food in 2004 uh, the guts of that album also are kind of made up of uh of of um of interludes but you know what doom does with the interludes uh i think is super creative and not only creative but like what he gives you in the five to six to seven songs that he actually does spit on pure genius pure unadulterated genius so take me to your leader definitely uh on the top 10 makes the top 10 makes the cut my favorite track probably no snakes alive uh, i know people probably think phasers phasers should be on there but nope no snakes alive uh no snakes no snakes alive is classic it's a classic song um 
and last but not least backing up the rear i had to add a comp album to this list who would i be if i didn't add a doom comp i actually have two comps though i have uh, his beat tapes those are compilations and then of course this classic compilation album unexpected guest which is probably one of my favorite doom works but it, it it couldn't be like i couldn't lead off with that right because that's a comp it's a compilation album so i couldn't lead off with a compilation album um but it's it's a classic man it's absolute a classic uh some great tracks on this he's working with uh um rest in peace to sean p sean price um he is um also working with a few other few other really notable heavyweights in the in the hip-hop community um i think this this record has Ghostface on it, and a f again a few others. I can't recall everyone who's on this, uh, but the production's all over the place as well. Um, it's a great, great record, an amazing record. Take my word for it, and go get it. All these records, um, unexpected guests. It, it makes the list for a few reasons. One, because it's a comp, and I wanted another comp on this list. But two, it's actually the soundtrack for Atlanta. When I lived in Atlanta. When I lived in Atlanta in 2000, 2010, 2011, 2012, 2011, 2012, whatever year it was, um, this was the soundtrack. This was what I was going to Five Points if I had headphones on. This is what I was listening to, going to Five Points, going to Little Five Points. You go record shopping. I was listening to Unexpected Guests every weekend. It's what it was. So it had to make the list because of nostalgia's sake. And, of course, it's just a good project. I want to know. Tell me your thoughts about my list. If you agree, disagree, don't like this list at all. You like it a little bit, you like it somewhat. Um, you think some records should be higher up. You think some records should be lower down. Um, let me know what you think about this. Um, I want to get back to the seriousness of this before I close out here, though. And that is just, again, what Doom means to me. Why I value this man why black music must value this man doom is creativity personified in my opinion and i don't say that from a space of being like he's the most creative in artist i've ever seen i'm not saying that i'm not saying that he beats out all these other black artists who who poured their life into their work. But he's in that same class. That is what I'm saying. So saying that he's creativity personified is the same as me saying that Stanley Cow is creativity personified. Men that believed in something, that put that something into action and didn't make any excuses, didn't make any excuses about whatever it was that they that they were creating they created it for themselves first for their people second and for the general public third that's what that was the breakdown if people like it great but i'm creating this because i i like this i'm creating this because this is what i fuck with you see this throughout the many stages of doom um that i mentioned earlier in listing his his uh his my best my top my favorite top 10 records you see this throughout the progression of Doom. You see him go from doing his own raw, some may say not good, <laughs> some don't like Doom speeds, but you see him doing that when he re when he reemerges when he reemerges back on the scene as MF Doom. You see him work with polished musicians, polished producers like Dilla and Doom or or Madlib. and shines while doing so right this is he he's in his bag all the time so when i say creativity personified i i mean that he is among the elite when it comes to staying true to his art form it didn't make sense for a lot of for a lot of people early on a lot of people wrote him off wrote him off a few times a few different times But he always stayed true to himself. Never changed it. 
the formula was what the formula was. He didn't need hooks, the gimmicks. I mean, he had one of the biggest gimmicks, actually, of all time, and that was the mask. But I'm going to play something now that kind of explains why the mask was necessary to him. And, yeah, you can say it's a gimmick, just as gimmicky as what he's talking about. Or was he really hell-bent on making good music for good music's sake? I don't know. What do you think? Let me know. Email me at the record spinner podcast at gmail.com. That's been my time. I'll be back on regular schedule starting next week. This will definitely take the place of the Weldon Irvine show for the week. And um and I will see you guys next week. I've enjoyed my vacation. Hasn't been much of a vacation with all the uh, the news that's been going on and recording that I've had to do. But again, this is a labor of love. So I'm here because I enjoy talking to you guys. I want you guys to enjoy talking to me back. But so far, so far, a goose egg. Um, but I'll keep pulling until I get something. So again, that's my time. You can follow me at all the social media that I mentioned earlier. Rebirth of the Cool on Instagram and Twitter. Check out the website therecordspinner.com and of course don't forget email therecordspinnerpodcast at gmail.com that's my time peace and rest in peace rest in power rest in prosperity to the MC that changed my life I appreciate you I love you and thank you for everything that you've contributed to black music like until then, I ain't really have a partner. Now I feel like I found my partner, you know what I mean? To me, from a musical aspect, hip-hop is one of the directions where it's it's like 100 or almost damn near 100% on everything besides the music. Like what you look like, the sound of your name, to what you're wearing, the brand of clothing, the what, whatever you, intoxicants you choose to put in your body, to, you know, things, everything except for what the music sounds like. So... The mass is really a testament to, yo, it's not it, it's not about none of that. It's straight about the wreck. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can be any color or whatever. You know what I'm saying? The mass represents just everybody. You know what I'm saying? To where, yo, nothing matters. Brand of clothing, none of that matters. It's about how you spit and the beats, how the beats rule. 